McCaffrey's out for the season. Man, we were doing so well. <laughs> News Talk 1110993 WBT. Christian McCaffrey out for the season. He suffered an ankle injury against Los Dolphins down in Miami. Oh, that stinks. Uh, speedy recovery, sir. Although I guess he's out for the season. Uh, alrighty, so I'm going over this uh, Omicron stuff, this uh, latest variant. And look, I'm I'm not a conspiracy theory kind of guy. I've talked about this in various ways over the years here, but I can't help but notice the the coincidental timing of the Omicron variant and its location of origin, right? South Africa found this variant, and for their efforts, they're now being subjected to the travel ban, (laughs) as are other African countries. Now, just prior to this news... I actually had this story, I did not get to it on Wednesday before Thanksgiving, but the New York Times did a very lengthy piece on, what is it, the 24th, so five days ago. And uh, it said, yeah, or sorry, the Associated Press did this big story. What's up with uh, Africa? It has scientists mystified. The curious situation is particularly prevalent in... Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe is where they now is is targeted with the travel ban. Zimbabwe just had travel shut down because the Omicron variant was identified in Botswana, Zimbabwe. The curious situation is particularly prevalent in Zimbabwe. It's a nation with a population of 14.8 million people and a vaccination rate of less than 6%, a fact that the World Health Organization lectures us endlessly about. And yet, in the past week, they recorded a total of 33 COVID deaths. 14.8 million people. That's more than North Carolina. And they only had 33 deaths from COVID. Why is that? This is what has the scientists mystified. Where's COVID in Africa? <laughs> What's up? Well, uh, one man, by the way, he told the uh, Associated Press that he carries the mask around in his pocket. Uh, you know, they've got some mask mandates, whatever, in some of the countries in Africa, but nobody really wears them. He just carries it because the police will demand bribes from you if you don't have the mask. That's how they use it. So the so in a lot of these African countries, the masks are simply uh, um, a way to induce bribes out of people, right? You see somebody without a mask on, you go over, you shake them down, you get some money for it. And so in other words, the rich people um, don't have to wear the masks while all the poor people do. Much like you would see in, you know, like many of the service industries in America. Same sort of uh, caste system we've got employed here. Makes me feel bad. It does. Like, I walk into some place, and I see all the people wearing masks, and I'm like, because you have to wear the masks when you're working here, even... Well, okay. So, obtaining accurate COVID-19 data 
in Zimbabwe and a lot of African nations is extremely difficult, the Associated Press said. There's something mysterious going on, though, and it's puzzling scientists. What's, uh, sorry, Wafa El Sadr, chair of Global Health at Columbia University, said, quote, Africa doesn't have the vaccines and the resources to fight COVID-19 that they have in Europe and the U.S., but somehow they seem to be doing better. What's up with that? (laughs) Right? The vaccination rate in Zimbabwe is 6%. If you found a single county in the U.S. with a 6% vaccination rate, Joe Biden would probably already have ordered everybody to be shipped off to prisons. (laughs) okay well all right this is by jazz shaw at hotair.com he said that if it happened in australia they probably actually would have started executing people already but like if a six percent vaccination rate in some australian province my goodness i mean they're already putting them into these uh uh these uh containment camps right in africa though this is all just a fact of life There seems to be three general theories being suggested to explain the absence of a COVID catastrophe in most of Africa, except for the nation of South Africa, where they have a significantly higher caseload. Uh, First theory is that, hey, look, uh, COVID epidemic is just as bad as everywhere else. They just can't uh, collect enough data. So that's the they just don't know. Or second theory, scientists should be studying the African people to see if they are somehow more naturally resistant to the novel coronavirus, right? Is there something genetic going on? The final theory is that the average age of people in Zimbabwe is like 20 years old because the life expectancy is so much lower, and so younger people are less likely to die from the disease, and so you don't see a lot of deaths from COVID, right? All of these are theories. These are the working theories. On the data front, one thing they are fully able to record, though, is the number of people who are dying. So if deaths of all sorts are not rising significantly, then not that many people are dying from COVID. Okay. Number two, the second theory, the idea that Africans are somehow naturally more immune to the virus sounds kind of wacky at first glance. Um, but in, in, in America... Uh, We have plenty of African-Americans who should be essentially drawing from the same genetic pool, right? But COVID rates in these communities in America, where the vaccine hesitancy remains higher than the national average, have actually been quite high during the surges in the pandemic. So that doesn't really add up here. So what about the age? Isn't it possible that most of the people in Zimbabwe have already had COVID? Is that possible, right? If COVID hits younger people and you don't really have symptoms, is it possible that a lot of the folks have already gotten it and recovered from it and now they have their own antibodies and so they've gotten on with their lives? Dare we use the forbidden words of natural immunity and herd immunity? No, we're actually, by the way, we are allowed to use the words herd immunity now that scientists think we can't achieve it in america now we are allowed just wanted to give you an update on that because i know we haven't been allowed to talk about herd immunity for a long time but now that the scientists are all like i'm not sure we can ever really get to herd immunity at all now we can talk about it okay 
Um, and so is it possible that that's the reason why? Maybe the situation in Zimbabwe really isn't all that much of a mystery after all. Maybe, just maybe, all we're seeing is Mother Nature taking her natural course. Now, Dave just tweeted, just a guess also, Pete, but anti-malarial drugs in Zimbabwe, maybe? A lot of sunshine around the equator as well. I'm just spitballing here. What do I know? Just a radio guy. So I mentioned how we are now allowed to talk about herd immunity. No longer verboten. Melissa Healy at the LA Times. Since the earliest days of the pandemic, there's been one collective goal for bringing it to an end. Achieving herd immunity. Which, as one who has been following this very closely for the last almost two years, I can tell you that that was never presented as the goal for us. Okay, it was just stay home, it was stop the spread, um, it was wear the mask, uh, and then it was get the shots. There's been no coordinated messaging effort around herd immunity, and anytime anybody even brought it up in any press conference that I saw, it was treated like the proverbial floater in a punch bowl. Okay, so... I love how she just kind of like throws it out there like, oh, everybody has obviously been talking about this forever. She says that's when so many people are immune to a virus that it runs out of potential hosts to infect, causing an outbreak to sputter out. But Americans embraced the or sorry, many Americans embraced the novel farmyard phrase and with it, the projection that once 70 to 80 or 85 percent of the population was vaccinated against COVID-19, the virus would go away and the pandemic would be over. Now the herd is restless and experts at the CDC have set aside herd immunity as a national goal. The prospects for meeting a clear herd immunity target are very complicated, said Dr. Jefferson Jones, a medical officer on the CDC's COVID-19 epidemiology task force. Quote, thinking that we'll be able to achieve some kind of threshold where there'll be no more transmission of infections may not be possible. Herd immunity may not be possible. Vaccines have been quite effective at preventing cases of COVID-19 that uh, lead to severe illness and death, but none has proved reliable at blocking transmission of the virus. Recent evidence has also made clear that the immunity provided by vaccines can wane in a matter of months. The result is that even if vaccination were universal, the coronavirus would probably continue to spread. Again, I'm going to read that part again. The result is... Even if vaccination were universal, the coronavirus would probably continue to spread. Update your talking points, people. And your coverage, media. 58.5% of all Americans are fully vaccinated. Uh, They say we do need to increase that. But uh, it almost makes you feel less motivated to get more people vaccinated. This is the problem. This is the problem when you start talking about how we may not achieve herd immunity is that people get discouraged and then they don't go out and get the vaccine. Well, yes, that's one downside because the messaging has been that it will block the spread. But if the messaging is that this will reduce the severity and it's basically a therapeutic that you take on the front end, 
then it seems like something people would do. In fact, history shows that they did. When the Delta variant first hit, people ran out and started getting the shot way more. Right? We saw an uptick in uh, the vaccinations. Because people are rational. They make these decisions and they have a different risk assessment when the Delta variant came through. But maybe, and this is now the cynic in me, maybe this is what folks who are like, everybody's got to get vaccinated. Maybe this is what they're trying to push with the Omicron now. They're like, oh, another variant. We're all going to die. We're all going to die again. And they hope that they're going to see a spike in boosters and a spike in vaccinations. Um, Here's the problem. If public health officials stop talking about the herd, which again, like, uh, when have they been talking about herd immunity? They never talk about herd immunity, but whatever. They say if they stop talking about it, people may lose sight of the fact that vaccination is not just an act of personal protection, but a way to protect the community. But it won't be. See, here's the problem. Like, logical, rational people hear what you are wrestling with. You're trying to figure out, like, you're sitting. I get the sense, like, we're sitting in, in a creative meeting at an ad agency and they're like throwing out all these ideas and they're trying to figure out the messaging on this yeah the problem is is that when i'm listening to you guys debate the messaging it's very clear that it is all about the messaging and you're throwing around concepts that lead one to conclude that some of the final product marketing is all just a put on right because if it doesn't stop transmission then how does it protect the community? If the vaccines don't stop transmission, how does it protect the community? It protects you. And if everybody got one, it would protect, quote, the community, but not everybody can get one. So how does somebody who can't get the vaccine, how are they protected by me getting a vaccine if I can still spread it? Do you guys hear what you're saying? (laughs) Do you understand? This is a logical question. The reason why, look, there is a perfectly rational, reasonable explanation for why people might not believe you anymore when your marketing is garbage. It's because your marketing is garbage. That's the logic there. Okay. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here in a blow to the lab leak theory. The first known COVID patient worked at the Huanan Seafood Market. That according to a scientist. So this was at HotAir.com. And uh, this was from actually about 10 days ago. But... Uh, And I have been one, like, I have been on board, like, the lab leak theory seems more likely to me than the mysterious animal that had the bat virus and it just jumped, right? Especially because they can't figure out what animal did that. (laughs) They don't, they don't have the missing link animal. So um, I have not been a, a believer, like, I defaulted to, well, first, originally, when they came out and said, no, it's not from a lab, it was from this wet market, and they had all the scientists that were like, it's from this wet market, and I said, okay, well, I'll believe the scientists, because I'm not a scientist. And then, uh, when I started seeing all this research that was coming out about the lab, 
And then you see all the problems with the uh, the zoonotic explanation. And then you find out that the guys who put together the letter of the scientists and like they were all getting money from the gain of function research. And I was like, OK, well, now it seems like they're trying to cover stuff up. And it seems like this lab theory is the more believable theory. And now we have this. A scientist at the Wuhan Institute of Virology who was already infected with COVID due to a lab leak went to buy dinner at the Huanan Market and infected a vendor there. I mean, that's one possibility. That somebody from the with went to the market and got someone sick there. Or maybe there was no lab leak and the virologists were right all along in suspecting that the virus arose naturally in the wild and then made the leap from animals to humans. We'll never know, of course, but this new study from virus detective Michael Warraby is notable for multiple reasons. Uh, Starting with the fact that he was actually one of the people who signed the famous letter to Science Magazine back in May, demanding that the lab leak theory be given fresh consideration. So did they get to him? Did they turn him? (laughs) Uh, Or maybe he's done enough research and he has found evidence that convinces him in, uh, in the other direction. Until then, the idea that the pandemic might have been caused by a lab accident was taboo among scientists, effectively quashed by Peter Daszak of EcoHealth Alliance and his cronies as the stuff of conspiracy theories. Warabi helped break the embargo on that. So then he went sifting through the earliest data that he could find from Wuhan back in December of 2019, and he concluded that actually a zoonotic transfer at the wet market is the likeliest explanation after all. A couple things he found. Number one, raccoon dogs. They were being sold at the market. That is an interesting finding since the original SARS virus in 2003 was also found in raccoon dogs. I don't know what a raccoon dog is, by the way. I suspect it's a cross between a raccoon and a dog, which is actually kind of terrifying because you put human hands like the raccoon has on a dog, and uh, like I think they take over the world at that point. Um, most early symptomatic cases were linked to the Huanan market, specifically to the western section where the raccoon dogs were caged. That was the other point he found. Um... Ten of the earliest 19 people hospitalized for suspected COVID had direct or indirect links to the market. That's pretty, that's a pretty big deal, right? Ten of the 20, ten of the 19, half of them? Even before Chinese scientists began investigating the site. That is circumstantial evidence that the initial outbreak really did happen there, even before researchers assumed it. Finally, and most importantly, Warby seems to have smoked out a critical error in the World Health Organization's report on the pandemic's origins. It was reported back in early July that the first known COVID patient in Wuhan was a 41-year-old accountant who had symptoms on December 8th. Crucially, the accountant did not have ties to the Huanan seafood market, and that raised doubts about the theory. Right, that the virus jumped from animals to humans, because if the first guy with it didn't have any exposure to animals, what's up? If the virus emerged zoonotically and made the leap at the market, we would expect the accountant to have shopped there, or maybe had friends or family, somebody, right? There was some connection, but he didn't. 
If he was the first known case, how did the virus uh, get to him? And here's what this guy, the virus hunter, virus detector, uh, uh, detective learned. The accountant wasn't the first case. After digging through local reports and interviews, he concluded that the accountant went into the hospital on December 8th due to a dental problem, not the coronavirus. It wasn't until eight days later, the 16th, that's when he got symptoms of COVID. And that tells the detective he probably got that at the hospital. The actual first known case was a woman who became symptomatic on December 11th five days before the accountant and the woman well she was a vendor at the seafood market does that mean that she was patient zero the very first person to be infected with covid almost definitely not says warby she was merely the first known one but the fact that she and a majority of the other early hospitalized patients had some sort of link to the market points to that site not the Wuhan Institute of Virology, as being the epicenter of the pandemic. Again, I don't know what is true. This is from Allah Pundit at hotair.com. I tend to agree with him that we're probably never going to know where this thing came from. I hope we do. I'm going to keep my eye out for, you know, updates on it. But um, I don't know if we ever find out. Um and by the way, so I'm like I, I I am in no position to disparage anybody for either one of the theories or any of the theories that they could come up with. Now, uh, this occurred today, and I find this to be particularly egregious. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, she of the circling back, uh, was asked by Fox News's Peter Ducey um, what the recount calls a bad faith question about travel restrictions. It's actually not a bad faith question. Take a listen to this is Peter Ducey from Fox News and Jen Psaki. Before Joe Biden was president, he said that COVID travel restrictions on foreign countries were hysterical xenophobia and fear mongering. So what changed? Well, I would say first to put it in full context, Peter, what the president was critical of was the way that the former president put out, I believe, a xenophobic tweet uh, and how he called that what he called the coronavirus uh, and and who he directed it at. The president has not been critical of travel restrictions. We have put those in place ourselves. We put them in place ourselves in the spring. But no, he does not believe he believes we should uh, follow the advice of health and medical experts. That's exactly what he did and putting in place these restrictions over the weekend. All right. So this is Orwellian memory hole type stuff. Uh, Jerry Dunleavy at the D.C. Examiner. He says this is a lie. Trump announced the China travel ban on January 31. Later that day, Biden delivered the hysterical xenophobia and fear-mongering line that Ducey is quoting. And Trump, uh, the Trump tweet, rather, that Psaki is talking about, that didn't come until March, two months later. So she's lying. Oh, and I'm sure the firefighter press is going to get right on to that one, right? News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Tuesday, December 7th, time's running out if you are... Uh, thinking about helping us out with the bike drive this year, Hancock's Bikes for Kids. It's going to be Tuesday, December 7th. Uh, maybe swing on by your favorite retail establishment and uh, get a bike so you can be prepared for Tuesday, the 7th. 
10 a.m. to 7 p.m. at Bank of America Stadium, WBT, the Panthers, and WSOC-TV. We're going to be collecting the bikes up for the kids. So uh, thank you for all of your support over the last 28 years. Hancock has done this, and um, and for your support this year as well. We do appreciate it. Hancock's Bikes for Kids. Visit WBT.com for the details. Um, All right, so a third of North Carolina school districts will not require face masks when students return to class after the Thanksgiving break now. A third. At least 39 of North Carolina's 115 school districts have voted to make face coverings optional, according to a database maintained by the North Carolina School Boards Association. Uh, in a piece at the McClatchy newspapers by T. King Hui, he is uh, the education beat reporter up in Raleigh. And uh, he said most of the state's public school students are in districts that still mandate masks, but the number making face coverings optional is steadily increasing. School districts are caught in the middle between parents who say masks should stay until more kids get the vaccine and other parents who say the mandate should have ended a long time ago. State lawmakers, you'll recall, uh, passed a law that requires there to be monthly votes on the masking policies. So uh, this keeps the issue front and center, which a lot of people on the left are not cool with. They wanted one vote, uh, put the mandates in uh, in place for as long as possible, maybe for the whole school year, and then they don't ever have to uh, revisit it. The State Department of Health and Human Services recommends that schools require the masks inside, but in October they revised their recommendations to say schools can consider not requiring masks if they're in a county where the case counts drop to moderate or low levels. As of Tuesday, only six of North Carolina's 100 counties are low to moderate. And they're not near us. Halifax, Hertford, Lee, Northampton, Scotland, and Tyrell. Uh, All the school districts in those counties still require, uh, all others, still require masks. All 39 mask optional districts are in counties. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, the six, sorry. So the, he, what he's saying here in the report is that the six who have lower moderate spread, they all still require masks. Every one of the mask optional districts have high or severe community transmission. Okay. All school districts in the, oh, and by the way, these are districts, yeah, they're all in counties that Donald Trump won in the 2020 presidential election. Um, also, the Gaston, or sorry, the uh, school districts in the counties that Democrat Joe Biden won in 2020, uh, they are all still mandating face masks. So you can see the political breakdown here, right? The 76 school districts still requiring masks represent 64% of the state's K-12 public school enrollment, and the 39 mask optional districts are only 27% of the total enrollment. The Look, I don't know if people's political viewpoints are dictating these approaches to masks. I don't. But there is overlap. Much like when the very beginning of the pandemic occurred and we heard Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, media, 
Democrats, but I repeat myself, and they were like, I'm not taking no Trump jab. You know, they, they were opposed. They were, they were vaccine hesitant. They were all very concerned that Trump was trying to put some, you know, non-FDA approved experimental drug into their bodies. And then a funny thing happened. Um, they immediately flipped their position when Joe Biden won. So I don't know if the risk assessment is due to the politics or if the risk assessment differences are because or are for the same reasons that people identify as a certain or or share a certain political philosophy. Like there are certain things about a person's character and about the way they see the world and things that they think like these are the things that animate their political philosophy. And those are also the same things that animate their risk assessment. I don't know. I don't know. Um, But I've said it before, I will say it again now in case you haven't heard it before, which is Gallup did the survey for Franklin Templeton Group. They've since updated it, and the the results show the same thing, that there is a wild misperception about the assessment of risk when it comes to catching COVID and dying from COVID. And people who are left-of-center politically have a greater misperception of the risk. They wildly overrate overestimate the risks they think the chance of catching COVID is one out of two and they think the chance of dying it uh, of it is similar and that's not true and then you got people on the right who underestimate the risks of COVID they 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 play it down not to the extent that the left plays it up so again I don't know is the political philosophy driving that or is it is the political philosophy a manifestation of the way people think and so, too, is the way people think about risk assessment. I don't know. Okay, I don't know. But this masking policy, there's a new study out that shows that for the kids, it's really not good. Social distancing measures, including face masks, are suspected of causing young children's development to have dropped by up to 23% during the COVID pandemic, according to a new study by Brown University scientists. In a story published at the Daily Mail, says that the probe analyzed the cognitive development of the youngsters through infancy, childhood, and adolescence, and looked at how average development scores in three key areas have been affected during the COVID era. The report found there was a 23% drop in scores measuring kids' intelligence quotients since the start of the pandemic. The child's early learning composite is derived from their fine motor, visual reception, receptive and expressive language scales and is the early uh, is the early years equivalent to an IQ score the two development quotients um, measure how well a kid is maturing in their language skills and other skills as compared with a sample of youngsters their own age and so what does this all mean it concluded that quote Children born during the pandemic have significantly reduced verbal, motor, and overall cognitive performance compared to kids born pre-pandemic, and masks worn in public settings and in school or daycare settings may impact a range of early developing skills such as attachment, facial processing, and socio-emotional processing. Guys better start dealing with this now before it's too late and you lose another ra- another batch of kids here, a whole generation of them. All right, stick around. Brett Winnable's up next. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. I'll talk with you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.